Welcome to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 59. In this podcast, I'm going to show you a change in Windows 11 that other people had not talked about. And then at the end, we'll hear from a special guest. That's all for this edition, and stay tuned. Hello, it's great to be back with you on another episode of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 59. In this podcast, I'm going to show you a change in Windows 11, and then at the end, we'll hear from two special guests. That's all for this edition, and stay tuned. If you would like, you can send me an email, and that email address is munnmichael68 at gmail.com. That's munnmichael68 at gmail.com. You can also call using the listener line, and the phone number is 404-923-0115. That's 404-923-0115. There is one thing that other people had not mentioned about Windows 11 is open file location is now disappeared. Instead of that, you have to open File Explorer in order to open a file in its location. So in this podcast, I'm going to show you how to do that. Before I do that, let me just show you what I'm talking about. So right now, I'm going to press Windows and search for a file that I want. Search box edit. I will just type in the file extension. Period. Docs. Colon. Soil unit test docs. Microsoft Word document. So this is the file that I want. Now I'm going to press the application key. In Windows 10, when you press the application key, this will bring up open file location. But with Windows 11, there's only one option. I'll let you hear it. Shift F10. Menu. Paste button. P. Context menu list box expanded. Blank. Leaving menus. Context menu list box expanded. Copy path. One of one. And that is copy path to get to open this file in its location. You now need to go into your Windows Explorer. To do that, you press Windows E to bring up File Explorer. Windows E, File Explorer, Items View. And then press Control E to bring up the search box. Control E, Search Edit Box Edit. And then type in .docx colon period docs colon space and then type in soil and then hit enter. Soil navigation pane tree view quick access opened nine items items view list box items view list box soil unit test docs not checked press spacebar to check it not checked selected to go to this file location press the application key shift F10 context menu and then press I twice open file location I and then hit enter leaving menus horticulture soil unit test docs checked so from here you can open up the file the reason why I want to go to the file location of a file. It's because sometimes I just want to clean up that folder. Thank you, John Denver, for the great song "Rocky Mountain High." This song will be exactly 50 years old this year. In today's podcast, I'm thrilled to invite two great guests who now reside in Colorado. They are Guillaume and Delphine Galvain. They are the founder of this foster home where I grew up. I lived there from eight until 13. That was also the place I learned most of my skills, such as read and write in Braille. 
and learning how to speak English. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. We're very glad to be on your podcast. Thank you, Michael. Y'all are so welcome. Before we get into our conversation for today, I wonder if y'all can take some time and introduce yourself. Sure. We are Guillaume and Delphine, and we are from France originally. We were born in France, and then in our 20s, we came to the U.S. for our studies, and then we lived in many different countries, including Canada, Hong Kong, China, the Philippines. And then we came back a year in France, and then we moved to Arizona, and now we're in Colorado. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, m- most of our time as adults was spent in China for 11 years, where we started Bethel, and it's, uh, which now runs six centers for uh, visually impaired kids. And so now I take care of the administrative side of the, the foundation here in the U.S. And Delphine, you want to let people know what you do? Uh, yes, right now my life has really changed a lot because I am a baker. I'm a French baker. And so that's what I do for now. Um, but I'm very nostalgic and I miss my time in China very, very much um, because I had the privilege to be called Fagua Mama, which means mommy from France. And Those were the most beautiful years of my life. So I'm very, very happy to be able to share this part of our story with you, Michael. Thanks, all of you. I really enjoy talking to both of you. I connected with you on Messenger back in 2020, and we have been talking back and forth on Messenger. Can both of you talk about the motivation of starting Bethel? Yes, of course. Um, So we moved in China in 2001. And, uh, you know, we, we spent a couple of years first um, learning Chinese. And uh, um, so I was a, a, a piano teacher back then. And uh, I actually went to um, a small uh, like a, you know, a private orphanage that, that was run by a, a couple of friends there who were Americans. And uh, I was being a volunteer there. Um, for a while and after i think maybe three or six months of volunteering there teaching piano they asked me if i wanted to get get a tour of the the foster home and i said sure and then the first room that we that that i get got in um there was this little chinese boy who uh, was uh, in a walker and just he he just rolled towards me you know and uh I took him in my arms and then basically the rest is his story. You know, I, two weeks later, he was in our house. We ended up adopting uh, David, our son, and uh, we took him home. And um, really that's this, this whole story. That's, that's what triggered in us, in Delphine and I, the idea of, wow, it, it felt, you know, quite simple to just open our house and then welcome the child and, and you know change his life basically with and we thought is there maybe there would be a way we could do more you know we can't adopt everybody you know every child that we uh orphan child that we meet but we thought maybe we can do something uh so that's when uh, we started looking around and um you know we we were delphine sings and i i i play the piano and we thought um, and maybe we can help visually impaired children. We had no knowledge at all. <laughs> you know, we were very naive and we were thinking of all these things in a very simplistic way. We didn't know at all the challenges that were involved with visual impairment, and especially in China with probably a third or two thirds of the visually impaired kids who had some, some uh, you know, mental 
issues on top of that or autism or you know things like this so we 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 went at it in a very simple way we we rented a very large house uh, down in Langfang and uh we went back to uh, our son's orphanage and, and asked the the director there hey you know we are willing to help you with uh some visually impaired children if you want them to my surprise, she sent me home with three kids. And that's where the adventure began. We started with uh, only three children. One uh, was a small baby, three-month-old, Xiao Lili, and then two uh, deeply autistic children. And just uh, we started like that, you know, and gradually we had more and more children. And I was involved in training the caregivers and later on, the teachers and Guillaume was managing more the administration side, the website, the government. Um, so, yeah, that's how everything started. Interesting. Yeah. So this a little boy had changed everything. This yeah. one precious little boy started yeah. a, a huge adventure. But you know what's yeah. funny is that we we had so many friends back then who told us only years later that when we started. Uh, they thought we were crazy, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to have a very, you know, maybe a five year plan of funding, uh, funding in place. Only years later, after, you know, Bethel was growing and, and we had 60 kids and all that, that many of our friends came back to us and, and, and told us, you know, to be honest, we thought you were crazy and we, we never thought that this would work out. <laughs> <laughs> our Chinese was so poor. We were speaking like little babies, you know, the caregivers or the drivers were teaching us. I was, I always had the dictionary with me and I will always call a good friend who was a Chinese American and she was a nurse and she was the one uh, training the caregivers and, uh, and every time I will call for help, you know, it's like, could you please explain that to this lady? I don't know how to express that. And, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, when, when I yeah. think back on it, it's it, one of the reasons why it worked out, I think, is because a lot of people around us probably had had pity on us. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, you guys are crazy, but you I'm need still... need to step in and help. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to try to help you. And, and I think that's because everybody around us stepped in that, yep. you know, it worked. The language barrier is definitely a thing. And yes. let me tell you, yeah, let me tell you something. When I first uh, came to US, and I thought I have no problem communicating with people, but yeah. when I sit in through a ninety-minute lecture of uh, sixth grade science, oh my gosh! Let me tell you, it ain't fun. It really ain't <laughs> fun. <laughs> That's, it's hard. Oh, yeah. yep. As I remember, you were one of the kids who had the best English in Bethel. Every time when she's giving out instruction, and I always fall behind. We can identify with your struggle because, yeah. you know, we are French, and the French are famous in the world for speaking English very badly. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine then <clears throat> speaking Chinese on top of it. Oh, that was challenging. <laughs> you always make competition with Guillaume to the one that will speak, uh, you know, will have the most vocabulary. And I was always bragging that I knew more about the foster care and the baby and the diapers and, and he knew about business. And But yeah, I have to admit you were better than me in many Thank ways. You. <laughs> Thank you oh, for yeah. saying that in, in front of the millions of people listening <laughs> yeah. to this podcast. Oh, you are good in the technical aspect. Yeah. What are the lessons and experience that you have grown while you're in China? And I know the lesson that I have learned in the United States was improve my English and always follow directions. 
Well, I've learned that love makes you creative. You may not have a lot of means, like sometimes we did not have a lot of money or maybe we were limited in our language skills or even in specialized education. But I will always say love makes a way. And when you you love those children with all your heart, then you become creative in how to better care for them and how to improve their well-being. And so... Yeah, for me, that's what I've learned is that you are not limited. Love makes you overcome many difficulties. For me, um, you know, when I think back of my China years, I, I remember how, how much joy I got from the fact that I was really doing, it felt like I was doing what I was uh, designed for, you know. When we started Bethel, we really, it feels we're given the freedom to start from something from scratch. And so what we created was really a kind of a reflection of everything that was within mm -hmm. us, you know? And so we are musical, we are, we're artists, but uh, I, I also enjoy setting up, you know, st structures and, and um, you know, there was the, the element of having to meet so many different kinds of people because nobody ever makes it on his own you know there's always someone with a helping hand so um, learning to communicate you know what what is it that you want to do and, and build a team around you and yeah that and was for me China was my home because of the children that were in it that's what made me feel home and and Bethel was such a magical place it was It was filled with laughter and dancing and singing and, you know, um, yeah, it, it was magical. It was magical. And I have learned over the time that people constantly say that teamwork is a dream work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there, there definitely were a lot of challenges, but I think it comes back to what we were talking about, that if... If you if you are where you're supposed to be doing what you and you love what you're doing, you know the, the challenges are there. But I, I remember so many times when we were faced with a, a mountain, you know, of a challenge, whatever it was, financial or 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 else, you know, to talk to the team. I think those were my my favorite moments. You know, it's a bit like in Braveheart when uh, what Mel Gibson is on the horse. Is that is that the movie? And then he rallies everybody. He's like, hey guys, you know, we we can do this. And I, I remember talking to the teams like, okay, we don't have enough money to finish the month or, okay, we have a challenge with that child who maybe, you know, we need to raise $50,000 for surgery or something. And those were major challenges. And, uh, but to rally the team and say, you know, let's not be uh, hopeless or, or, you know, yeah. discouraged, but, but then say, okay, we, we can do it. We can go out there and then, and then we can uh, overcome what, whatever is in front of us. And, and, And the reason being because what the, what we are doing is worth it. Exactly. You know? And uh, many times people used to ask us, so why are you doing this? You know, rather than, I mean, you, you could be doing a business and, you know, maybe become financially successful, stuff like that. And so why are you doing this? And my I, I came up with that for myself because I needed to to, to know. And, and because it's the, the best time, best use of my life and my time that I could find, you know, it's, it was really worth it. Definitely does do things that you love. And that's the same thing. When I started this podcast, uh, I have several people encourage me. I have this dream of podcasting ever since 2018. And, and I have a lot of concerns that I don't have the proper equipment and a website. And then finally, back in 2019, this guy, uh, 
who's sitting in the audience chair listening, got me introduced to Anchor. So I was able to start my podcast literally a year after uh, 2019. Okay. It's wonderful. It's because someone believes in you and teach you not to never give up. That's something that we were trying to always communicate to the team or the children to never, ever, ever give up. And it only takes one person to believe in you to make you overcome your difficulties and to press on. Well done, Michael. Thanks. That's awesome. Y'all started this great place. You know what? One of the of the amazing thing that I never thought, I never thought so far when we started Bethel, because all the kids were small, you know, and, and, and uh, or they would get adopted. But I never thought that 20 years later, I would have grown up adults who would have, you know, their own career. And, and, and uh, I could like today sit down with you and, and talk to you as you're doing your podcast or, you know, other kids that I've talked to who have a job, whether it's in Beijing or, or some other kids who are here in the US and are finishing college. Some are almost 30 years old. So, uh, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's yeah. to be able to see the reward of all the love that you have poured into the children, to see them thrive into who they are supposed to be. It's extremely rewarding. It's so beautiful. What caused both of you to leave China and move to the United States? I think there's a story behind the action. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think it boils down to what what is our skill set, you know, for Delphine and I, we are pioneers. Uh, some of our strength is to have a vision, a dream, and then work hard at it so that it becomes a reality. Uh, but that's a very different skill set from someone who's a manager, you know, who's going to take a long-term approach and who would be detail-oriented and who's going to carry the work over, over a long period of time. You know, we we are more people who birth things, <laughs> you know, and, and we set up the structure and, and, and we, we kind of um, give that uh, first breath, breath of life, you know. And so after 11 years in China, we knew that a time would come where if we're not careful, uh, like we've seen a lot around us, if the founder doesn't let go of whatever he created, sometimes he will drive his own organization into the ground. You know, maybe they don't become aware that their skill set is not what is necessary for that time. So we we were careful that when that time would come, we we would have to let go of our baby, you know, and let the baby grow up and go to college, basically. And so that's that's at the, this point that we decided to look for someone who uh, was more a manager type to you know to to take Bethel further in China and and move out. And I think the the sign of a good leadership is when you start multiplying yourself and you start pouring into future leaders which in turn will you know will grow their work the goal is that you don't stay there you train people and you build them up so that in turn they can do their work that's interesting and this is the same why bill gates and other uh, technology pioneers left the company that they have started well thank you for comparing us <laughs> yeah. uh, with them we, we, we feel in good company <laughs> Oh, that, that is the same aspect. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we, we actually didn't move uh, from China to the U.S. directly. We actually moved to the Philippines after we, uh, after we left China. Yeah, um, we, we did a lot of uh, humanitarian work there because the first year we had uh, the biggest typhoon that they ever had was uh, then the biggest earthquake. And so a lot of work needed to be done there. 
that our work changed there because we started to, to pinpoint who were leaders of, of a beautiful project and we started to pour into them, you know, mentor them and train them so that they could stay there for a long time because with our experience, burnout being a, it, it's quite easy to be burned out. You can have the savior syndrome mindset where you, you pour yourself so much that you don't even, uh, you cannot keep up, you know? So it's important to also take care of those leaders who are doing something beautiful. Our work in China like grew so fast that the learning curve was very hard to everything that, that we had to learn, you know? And, and so when we got out of, of China, we realized, well, first we needed a break as, as a family, you know? And so that, but we also realized, like Delphine said, that we, we had to learn a lot of different things, especially because of the rapid development of, of our organization. You, you, you know, we went from a little, from basically our family helping a few kids to actually having so many staff to manage and, and so many children and then having different sites in different provinces so you know then you have to um, also have offices in different countries and so you have to deal with a lot of administration and so it's it's a lot of things to to learn so when we got out of it we realized so many people were starting their own that we, we could probably help we could pinpoint where they were at in their ngo and give good advice and be there for them Oh, yes. Three days after my Thanksgiving break, I received a text from you that uh, you were helping out some countries by supplying them supply kits. How was the project going on? Yeah, so we tried to think, uh, you know, outside of China and something related to visual impairment. And so we, we thought we could put together a kit um, that we could uh, provide, you know, to visually impaired kids, no matter where they are, but also maybe provide for surgery so it's we haven't started yet that it's you know it was just a new idea that we thought maybe we could help kids all around the world so for for now we're in the beginning stages where i've just been contacting uh you know friends in different countries uh in developing countries where we can um, maybe try to to pinpoint but the project hasn't started yet it's uh you know it's a lot of things to to put together and, and find a way to, uh, uh, especially when you deal with developing countries, you know, you have to be able to find a, a good platform, you know, how, how to make sure that the people you want to help really need help and how to get the money there and find the, the eye clinic. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of, of stuff to figure out. So we're, we're working on it. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And a lot of commitment. Yeah, right now we are working on, uh, there's a, a company called FuelMade that is helping us to kind of revamp our, our old website and uh, uh, to you know, bring it up to industry standard and, and help us to, uh, um, with our sponsorship program, one of the best way to, to help Bethel China is to sponsor children. And uh, um, yeah, so, so they're helping us with, with that. So that's, uh, that's what we're working on right now. So right now, I follow Bethel in different platforms, especially now on WeChat. So can you talk about who is eligible to be served within Bethel? I know it has changed over the years. Yes. So when we started, we were very focused on, on the, you know, it has to be visually impaired orphan children because we thought this is the most vulnerable people group in, in China that we could help. Um, and then, you know, China is an ever-changing country and regulations and laws and all that are, are evolving. 
And um, we also started to help children who had families uh, because there was a lack of preschool for, uh, for blind kids in China. And so uh, I think uh, the school for visually impaired, they started when they were, you know, the kids are seven or something like this. Um, and so there's a long time before that, uh, there's a lost opportunity for children to learn some, some pretty basic skills that are needed for any visually impaired, you know, people to learn even before they turn seven. So we started our own preschool and a lot of parents started to contact us. Hey, I have, you know, I have a, a, a blind child. Is, can, can we send them? And at first we we're like, no, sorry, we're, we're a nonprofit. We only deal with, with orphans. And then, um, you know, we, we realized that uh, it was a real need. So we, we opened up. And so we decided to um, help not only orphans, but also children who, you know, maybe came from poor families and were trying to find a tuition for them, scholarship to pay for the tuition. And so our, actually our, our center in Beijing is, is only uh, children with families. And then the five other centers are, are with orphanages. Oh, yes, I've heard because of the policies changed. Yes. I came to Bethel in 2008. I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. Those were the good years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and- fun years. Very fun. <laughs> oh, yes. I stayed uh, there until 2014, April 27th. And then I got adopted by an American family. Uh, in case you don't know, listeners. So we're about to wrap up for this podcast. And do you have any last words before we end this podcast? Yes, I'd love to, uh, you know, if any Bethel kids out there are, are listening and, uh, you know, they they feel the need to get in touch with us, we welcome them to do so. Uh, it has always been our kind of our, you know, policy that when a child gets adopted we, we we leave them alone like we don't try to be a hey, you know to to be the ones who uh initiate contact and say hey you know we we knew you from before and and all that <clears throat> we, we want to respect the family's privacy and, and the child you know their own journey if you're listening to this and you're like oh man i would love to ask them questions about maybe my life before the u.s or before i was adopted and and uh you want to get in touch with us we you know feel free to do so it will truly be my joy to, to reconnect. It's hard to be a mom for many years and then to have to let go and, and let someone else take good care of your child, you know, but the bond is always there. And so I will always remain Fago Mama for all the children that were under my care. And so, yes, please contact us because it will be a joy to be able to speak with all of you. And as we end this podcast, do y'all have any piece of advice to offer to people who's thinking about adopting a kid from Bethel? Yeah, so right now, um, the China adoption, uh, international adoption is on pause. So we're, we're not exactly sure what the future holds, you know, for adopting in, in China. Uh, it could be just a, a momentary pause, uh, they could be shutting it down. Who, who knows with China? <laughs> so uh, we're on standby. We, we continue to advocate for the children. And, you know, on our, on our Facebook page, we will, uh, I think every week we'll present a child who, who, who is uh, eligible for adoption. But um, because we are hoping, of course, that like for you, Michael, uh, you know, I think we think it's the best for the children to find to have a family. Um, but just so that people know it's, it's, it's not possible right now, but the adoption process takes so long that we don't want to discourage people from actually starting the process. 
Um, and, uh, you know, who, who knows? By the time they're ready, uh, China's adoption program might open up again. So, um, but if, if anybody's interested, they can surely get in touch with us at info at Bethelchina.org. And for those who have that desire to adopt a child, I would say um, experiencing that myself, it is the most beautiful uh, journey that I've had to go through. It, it's it's going to change you forever. And it's an, an incredible gift that will be added into your family. So, yes, don't give up on that desire. If it's in your heart, go for it. This is it for this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send an email to m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. That's m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. You can also call using the listener line, and the phone number is 404-923-0115. That's 404-923-0115. Thank you both Guillaume and Delphine for coming to my podcast and have a chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you, you Michael. Michael. That was great.